0: Radio Fly
1: Alright, start gane. Sure. Okay, I have Srijan in the studio with me. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, Pratik. Thanks for having me.
1: Tell the listener about uh, who you are and what you do.
2: I uh, so I have I guess two jobs. Uh, I have a day job where I work as a consultant in the social sector space, and uh, in parallel, I'm also a stand-up comic. Uh, I've been doing that over the last five years, I would say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what kind of uh, so wh- what do you do in your day job?
2: I'm uh, I work with the World Bank group. Yeah. Um so my previous job uh, was in microfinance which is basically uh, banking for poor yeah that the le- lending of
1: small amounts right right
2: right right. right. without collaterals Yeah. yeah so yeah. people form a group and then they guarantee the ga- the loads. Bangladeshi guy started right, right? right Grameen. yeah professor yeah. Uh, mohammad yusuf he won the yeah, nobel yeah. prize in 96 or 07 i think so that model only uh, then uh, got very popular in India. So I was working there and now I'm on the other side of things where we consult microfinance firms.
1: Okay. So are you a native of
2: Delhi? I was born in Delhi, hmm. uh, but I grew up in Jaipur when I was eight. My family shifted there. Okay. So I've grown up in Jaipur. So I don't know what to <laughs> say with for, to that question. So, yeah, so I uh, usually you can say was yes born or in no? Delhi and no. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so I'll why did so. you why did your family move to Jaipur?
2: My mom and dad um, used to work both used to work in a government bank. Right. Uh, it's called State Bank of Bikaner in Jaipur. Hmm. Uh, so they were uh they used to get transferred around in small cities, small places initially. So I grew up here in Delhi with my grandmother, bua and chacha. Right. And mom and dad would visit uh on weekends and things like that and then when they got posted to jaipur they thought you know jaipur was a big enough city with good schooling and things like that so then they said that why don't you just shift here with us so then i shifted there
1: so from eight till what age were you in jaipur
2: i mean we st- we are still my parents are still living there so i did my schooling there uh, then i did my engineering for which i went to gujarat okay and then i software engineering Yeah, it was, uh, so, there's a college in Gandhinagar, Gujarat, uh, Dhirubhai Ambani Institute of ICT. Okay. So, they only have one stream, which is ICT. It's information and communication technology. So, it's a mix of IT. Right. And communication. Masscom. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a unique uh, concept back then. So, basically, first two years, after a point, you could take electives either in... uh, communications or it okay it was a i guess structured uniquely so for at that time i was caught up in that whole okay i want to get into iit and all that oh, okay so, so you were that same. kid yeah but i don't think i was motivated enough mm. uh i used to struggle with chemistry a lot uh so that used to cause me a lot of pain so i did that i dropped uh a year then finally managed to get here. Uh, into DICT. I could not get into IITs. And then while doing engineering, I kind of... Also, I didn't try that hard. I could have tried harder, but I was not liking it. Especially coding uh, seemed very... Was there pressure
1: from your family about the
2: IIT thing? Wasn't pressure, I would say. I mean, they... If I would talk to them, they'll say, yes, it'll be good if you can do that. But uh, it was more like everybody around you was doing that. Hmm. So... And you kind of thought that that is a good path. Why not? So, it was more that rather hmm. than parents pressurizing me. A lot of my uh, friends, I remember when we were in Jaipur, it was, I think it's still popular. People used to go to Kota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In eleventh It's 11th a, and thing now. Right, right.
1: For uh, for quite some time now. Yeah, exactly.
2: So, some of my friends did that, but I did not want to do that. Like, I wanted to, because your schooling really suffers then. You yeah, just,
1: the, the kids who go there are like... Uh, Come out as a shell of their former self. I it, 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 it would destroys think so, man. their
2: soul, literally. I would not be surprised because it's a weird thing to do. You're, I mean, the you
1: number know. of suicides of kids who are going to Kota and uh, you know studying at the coaching institute there. Yeah. It's so much pressure and it's it's soul destroying.
2: Could be. I would not be surprised. I mean, my friend, a uh, couple of them did fine, but it was just weird when they would describe that they would just not go to school right they would just do coaching and i was like i don't i am glad that i did not do that because i wanted it's a horror
1: it's a it's a horror show
2: i i don't maybe some kids cope up with it but i i would think for me it would have been a horror show i was glad that i stayed back and you know uh, maintained my friendships and just did a normal normal schooling and then pursued iit on the side which didn't happen so so what did
1: you feel like when you when you didn't crack it
2: It was not a good feeling because in my head, I was not confident. Were
1: you a a smart student? Were you like straight A student?
2: No, man, I was not. I think I used to struggle with the discipline part of it. Might show flashes of potential in terms of intelligence sometimes, but I never, I think, had the work ethic uh, or the discipline, which was needed because Mm. kids were like studying. Yeah, 14 hours a day. Yeah, Mm. I think somewhere deep inside, I had this... I was complacent that, you know, I'll even if I don't study that much, right? I should be able to, you know. Satellite uh, with overconfidence. No, but externally, no. I was not con- okay. confident at all. It was just somewhere deep inside. I was like, I'll ten. crack like, it. I'll, yeah. Not I'll crack it, but like, let's see. Hmm. I would rather believe that than believe that I need to study and <laughs> hard and, you know, work hard. So I was, I guess, lazy and I was not into, like, I used to like maths. Physics was fine, but chemistry was, yeah, not my cup of tea. And I didn't work hard enough Hmm. to overcome that hurdle. So, fair enough, whatever happened in the end.
1: And so you moved to Gujarat?
2: Yeah, uh, Gandhinagar, Gujarat. That was four years. And uh, after that was, I worked in Infosys for four months. That was in Mysore.
1: Right. So like college placement?
2: That was a college placement, and yeah. that's the only uh, I did. I did not do well in college in uh, academically, and uh, probably in was. I mean, they used to do mass hiring, mm, yeah. and they had they the hire of, entire batches, right? Mm. And their benchmark was not that high in terms of CPI, CGPA, whatever you want to call right. It. So I just they just that. want a diploma. Ah, uh, for our college, yeah. for engineers, they were looking like uh, they were looking for you know sixty percent was yeah. the cutoff, and I was like sixty two percent. So I got in uh, there and uh, I wasn't really, I knew I wouldn't like it. So I had that time thought that I'll just do my MBA. Aren't
1: those those, uh, hirings at uh, Infosys at that level, just slave labor? I mean, I
2: don't know, man. So it's, I think it's a double, you have to, maybe it's not that black and white because uh, while we felt that, you know, this is, I mean, we were not that happy with Infosys, but you would see that. So they had this. They have this giant Mysore campus where kids yeah. from all over India would come, and you would really see kids also from you know small towns. And for them, that was like a yeah 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 you know a big ticket to mm. get into Infosys, and they were raving about that place. So it also then it's a humbling moment when you see that also you have in your high in your head that you know this is a shit place, mm. whereas for somebody else it's just you know all it's that they would dream ever dream, dream of. Yeah, you know, so. So i want were... to see that it was humbling
1: so you were there for 6 months
2: 4 months Four they months. have this uh, <laughs> they have this training basically after which they uh place you in a city hmm. and uh, i got mangalore uh, which where i didn't want to go and my friends and uh, my, my ex did you want to
1: come back to your uh, house or
2: no so my friends and my ex had were placed in pune so oh, I was okay. trying to engineer a move oh, okay. to Pune, okay, got it. and that didn't work out. <laughs> mm. uh, I even remember that I have this, I have, a, I have this cousin who was studying medicine in Mysore at the time. So I asked him to make a false like uh, application for me, saying that I have some medical condition which mm. required me to be around my relatives in Pune and things like that. <laughs> so he came up with a very interesting idea. He wrote for me that I have hot water epilepsy, which means that. <laughs> Whenever I am in contact with Is hot it a water, I thing? get fits.
1: Is that a real thing?
2: Apparently. So he said this way, they won't ask you to prove it, right? Like they won't ask <laughs> you to take a bath in front of them. So, uh, but that didn't work. Infosys was like, no, no, let's see. We'll monitor you in Mangalore. We'll give you care, this, that. Then I left Infosys. And uh, that's when I kind of in parallel discovered about microfinance. One of my professors, whom I really admired from college, he was a social science faculty there. Uh, he his one of his cousins was running so this a was the world bank thing no no this was the previous job okay which was a microfinance firm lending to yeah uh, women hmm. in uh, south india predominantly so i went there i interviewed in their bangalore uh, office and they were very uh i think they were looking for young people i just joined there and i had still i had given my mb in parallel But I ended up liking uh, that job so much that I decided that I won't do my MBA. And I ended up working there for four and a half years, close to four and a half years. And then I pursued my master's and now I'm in Delhi. Master's in? I did my MBA. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so though, engineering plus MBA. (laughs) Story uh, of every Indian, I guess. Mm. path. Yeah.
1: So you came to Delhi and uh, did you have the job, the World Bank job when you moved?
2: I did. Hmm. I got placed uh, in Delhi hmm. and uh, that's when in college I had decided, so I had done a few open mics before that, in the before my MBA. Last three, four years I had done like three or four open mics. So how old are you? I'm 35. Okay. Hmm. And then I had decided during my MBA that I'll give stand-up a decent shot once I shift to Delhi. This was? I shifted here in 2013. And it took me another six, eight months to just kind of get into the flow of things, settle down. And then I just attended an open mic. And since then, it's been like constant. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So so what do you do at the, uh, you are a consultant for the World
2: Bank, right? No, so they have, uh, World Bank Group has different companies working under it. One company is called IFC, International Finance Corporation. That's where I work. They have two main um, verticals. One is investment and one is advisory which is consulting so i work in the consulting okay it so is,
1: what does what does that entail
2: it entails so like how i described i was working for a microfinance firm huh. this job entails consulting these kind of firms on oh, okay. say their strategy operations right product development and
1: so the world bank is affiliated with the un all right
2: so world bank is a separate uh, autonomous sort of body okay. uh, world bank group and within that there are different uh, so they, do
1: they provide uh, funding to these uh, microfinancing firms
2: one part is funding so world bank within world bank there are two key things so one part works with the government and public sector and ifc works with the private sector so i am a part of that so we fund and provide advice to private sector firms okay and within that i would say microfinance and development sector institutions would be my so,
1: 2013 was when you start uh, started taking stand-up uh, seriously?
2: 2000 th- end of 2013, probably beginning of 2014. 2014,
1: yes. So, what triggered it?
2: Triggered, I was always, uh, like I said, I had done open mics even before. Once in undergrad, then a couple of times in Bangalore when I was living there, then two, three times in Delhi after I shifted here, before my MBA. Then during my MBA also, I did a couple of these talent shows, all that type of things. So it was always there. I used to watch a lot of it. And uh, you get some sense that, you know, you might be good at it. And but after I came here, I thought I'll give it a decent shot. I won't be lazy about it. I guess I was lazy till then or not that dedicated. What do you
1: mean by a decent shot?
2: Like I'll go attend a few open mics and see how it goes. And Hmm. yeah, and then let's see where it goes.
1: Not be dissuaded by a few bombings.
2: I thought so although I didn't if I don't know if I had like bombed very badly at my first open mic what that would have done but I guess I would have done a few and if I had bombed all of them I would have been like okay this is no. I don't hmm. yeah this is not for me.
1: Who are your uh, idols you know when you started doing it? Uh,
2: started were, were people I used to watch George Carlin a lot, hmm. uh, Bill Hicks, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle I would say yeah. These prominent ones, right? Uh Beleks and George Carlin, Moore for their idealism mm. and things. Like, so it was like, oh wow, they.
1: But you, but you don't do political comedy like no, that. No,
2: I mean I don't. I mean, to that point of view has changed over the years. But that was the hook initially, which got right. me into it. Then over the then over the years, then you discover new artists, and then you're a you get deeper into what this art mm. form, I guess, is all about, and then you start liking other things. Uh, but that hook was, I think, good initially. So, there's
1: no culture of uh, mentor and mentee in India, right? Because it started so late here. I mean, I in the guess. US, there's a, you know, a, a comedian would go to a stand-up a club and he would meet a senior comedian there. And that comedian would take the younger one under his wing or something, like teaching him a few, you know tools of the trade I
2: don't know if it was uh, they would take them under their wing as such maybe but I am not aware I mean of if that. you
1: hang around at the comedy club right, and there is right, a right. senior comedian who has been doing it for 30 years you can you know uh, learn something from him at of least of course of course yeah that is so that definitely. isn't here I mean not I yet I guess
2: because there were not enough people who were doing it for yeah. a while uh, we had few names. It is such a new thing in India. It's very new. It was a mm. very new thing. Even when I had started, it was relatively mm. new. Even in
1: Britain, it started very late. I think in the it didn't exist until, I think, the 80s or the 90s.
2: Is it? Yeah. Maybe, I'm not very sure. Mm. Weren't these guys, the Monty Python guys, weren't they not stand-ups? No, in
1: they were like more like improv guys or sketch okay. comedy guys. Okay. They used to do radio sketch comedy.
2: But I thought that Billy O'Connelly, who is a Scottish uh he was doing stand up i guess since i mean i i think it, started, it yeah, train, I started, very start. yeah, started very late it started very late i mean in the it.
1: us it has been around for, for since the
2: i would say the uh, vaudeville era of the 20s right right that so, was a lot of people got inspired yeah. by that and started
1: there. so yeah so i think the current comedians are like the sixth generation of stand ups yeah, in the us yeah could be us yes, yeah. yes
2: yes for sure uh, they have a long, long so long do you history.
1: think that's a that's a Indian comedians fall short somewhere because they don't have they have they only have the internet to learn from?
2: I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I just think that it's an individual art form. Hmm. Maybe you don't have uh, that many examples here or a long rich history of stand up comedy. But then it's also exciting. Uh, Manam, not to sound grandiose, but the people who are doing stand up now are kind of Charting that path hmm. for the whole scene. Hmm. You can think of it like that. Right. And that's very exciting. Like, uh, you know, what to see what will happen 10-20 years down the line. What kind of new comics will emerge and things like that. Hmm. So, it's pretty exciting to be a part of Do it. Do
1: new I comics think. come up to you and ask you for tips?
2: Yeah, that happens sometimes. Um, I usually say that don't take tips from anybody. <laughs>
1: don't uh, take tips from me.
2: For sure. Me, to definitely not. Uh, because so, I don't. Uh, although this is like a borrowed opinion, I had heard other c- comics from the U.S. Mm. say, and it kind of made sense to me. But you're like, also
1: figuring things out.
2: Exactly, yeah. I am figuring things out, and anyway. you're also
1: a student right now.
2: For sure, and mm. for a long, long time. I think mm. for a long, long time, you'll. Uh, I guess you'll always be because you're learning things all the time. Also, it's like it's your perspective on something. Right. Why should I give you tip? It's very weird for me to enter that place and say, you know.
1: So, I was, I was watching a making of, of a movie right. uh, featuring, uh, I mean, Ray Romano was one of the cast members. Okay. And the writers were stuck on a line and uh, they were trying to make the line funnier. So, they approached Ray Romano and he said that just end the line with a hard K. With a hard? Hard K or a hard consonant. Okay. So, like <laughs> words like uh, duck or... Yeah. Uh, rod so like oh, okay. it was like really strange and this said it worked so i was like this guy has mastered comedy so much over the years that he knows hmm. if you end a sentence in a certain way it will be, it will become funnier
2: maybe so although i currently so do you
1: get technical like that
2: no 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 i i mean i think i'm maybe it's because over a, the entire span of what a comedy career would be like i'm very very raw that ways <laughs> uh, but i don't That's not how you think of jokes and you, I mean, I don't do okay, okay, at the end of the line, I'll add a consonant. No,
1: I mean, you must have uh, certain uh, stuff that you have learned over the years.
2: Right, but I don't, I wouldn't say that Do you think comedy
1: is a science or an art?
2: I guess maybe a bit of both. Uh, I'm skeptical about the science part. I mean, yes, you can make it, maybe there are certain formulas that can, you can be apply. applied.
1: Yeah. But, but you can't... I mean, if someone is funny, right. you can learn to be funnier. But if someone completely lacks sense of humor, you can't...
2: Right, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that is definitely... Imbi- I mean, you're kind of born with it. I, mean. I think you need that funny gene, man. Like, I don't know if you can just learn to be funny. I don't know.
1: I mean, you can... It can... Uh, you know, people develop a sense of humor as a form of... Uh, Dealing experiences with the world. And
2: things like that. But kuch to under, like something would be there inherently, which they tap mm. into. Uh, I don't know. I don't but, think that you can... Like you were not funny, say, when you were is young. Your, and you, suddenly, is your family funny? Is your, your parents funny? Oh, my funny? family is super funny. I mean, there are so many funny people in my... Especially my dad's side. They're way funnier than me. It's just that being funny in that context is like different from being funny on stage Stage, or maybe they just did not get that exposure or whatever, but they are way funnier than me. Like Hmm. there are a lot of funny people. Is that, is that
1: why you, uh, you said G?
2: I think so. And I've uh, heard comics talk about like Carlin used to say a lot of it is genetics and I kind of believe it. I don't know the science behind it, Hmm. but uh, I do think it's something innate and not something that can just be picked up. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, through experiences,
1: do you think stand up in India has become a thing now? Like people are like, let me do stand up and get a few thousand subscribers on YouTube, even if they are not funny.
2: I don't know honestly, but it's definitely growing uh, in popularity a lot. A uh, lot of people. So, for example, after the first video and now the second video, people reach out to me and mm. from tier two, tier three towns. I so guess your sometimes... first
1: video had two point four million, right? Right. So mm, congrats on that. Oh, thanks. So, were you expecting like uh, an explosive growth like no,
2: that? No, no. I, and I don't think it's, if you see other videos, it's not particularly explosive, I would say. But I was happy with, I was more happy with the feedback in general, which is, for me, I think more important was that like to dislike ratio.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh,
2: that would were have you obsessing me. over that? Not obsessing, but that was the one I was, I guess I you could say obsessing in the way that more
1: so what than the views, the, I was is tracking the,
2: that. What is, it? What, hmm. is, what is the ratio? It's somewhere uh, around 55
1: is to 1. Okay. Uh, so compared to
2: like, is there an industry standard or something? No, no, I don't know about uh, like other videos. But yeah. for me, and I did not have a num or a target. So you, you, my...
1: weren't, you didn't create an Excel about <laughs> how yours and others were doing? No, it. no, 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 yeah. no, no, no.
2: Of course not. Hmm. I mean, not of course not. But yeah, I didn't. Hmm. That would be... You don't want to get to that level. How about
1: about negative comments? Do they bother you? Uh,
2: So, it's weird. So, actually, I was very apprehensive about the whole process of putting up something on YouTube and just opening yourself like that. Hmm. Uh, Because I was not very, like I was very social media averse. I only joined Facebook after I started stand-up because it was the only way to know about open mics um uh, so i was not i always had a lot of apprehensions about social media but i mean after a point you just have to release a video so i was apprehensive but then when it happened of, of, of course a few negative comments also came it's instantly obviously it's like okay hmm. what the hell hmm. but then it's like of course n- not everybody's Does gonna that like your under stuff. your skin no no i wouldn't say so and nothing has been that bad I mean, so far it hasn't gotten under my skin. Mm. I don't know going forward.
1: But you have to have a thick skin
2: in this of business. Of course, of course. Mm. I mean, if you're doing stand-up, it's good if you can work on your yeah. skin as well.
1: Mm. <laughs> so,
2: do you write down your bits, or do you uh, just start with an off-the-cuff thing? No, no. Off-the-cuff is. I don't think I have the skill set and the courage yet. No, I that. mean,
1: when when like when you're trying your the, uh, a bit for the first time, have you written down the exact yeah. thing? Not or do you so have an outline?
2: When I started, I would say I, that I would write down the exact thing. Hmm. Like, Jar- then, like, like,
1: you know what Jerry Seinfeld does, right? He, he sticks to a script. Right. And if you watch his performance <clears throat> over, like, if you're following him in on tour, at every city, he would do the same exact bit, hmm. the same exact way with the same exact pauses. Okay. Like It's like theater for him.
2: Yeah, so, so there are different styles. Yeah. He does that. Yeah. Brian Regan also, when he was talking about... Oh, I, I should have said Brian Regan on right. that list of comics. Hmm. He used to... Uh, initially, he was saying he was very anal about... Like, even he would say things like audio here or right. like if, uh, exaggerated. Which he does a lot of physical hmm. comedy as well. So, he was like very meticulous. He shouts about, too much.
1: Uh, he shouts also yeah. a
2: lot. <laughs> he has that. Hmm. But I think there are other comics who just sort of are more... They know some... Like the structure of the joke, but maybe Mm. not all the words and they'll just see uh, how it goes. So, for example, Norm MacDonald said an interesting thing. He's like, he was asked, how do you keep it fresh? Doesn't it get boring if you're doing the same thing Mm. on the road? So, he said that he knows the end of that joke. Like he knows the punchline. Right. And he'll just mess around before that. Like he'll go here, there, but he knows ultimately has to arrive. His B joke is the best which
1: joke? The, the the bee goes to visit a doctor you can look moth. At a, yeah. the moth yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah the the setup is like half an hour long and then and the punchline comes like have some balls man what was your first bit
2: i think it was uh, it's there in the first video also some version of it which was about how auto uh can be rude hmm. and in different ways so some are more, more verbal but i i think the joke has changed from that version initially it was like uh, because I did that in Bangalore, so it was more like they don't even talk to you when they reject you. They mm. just like they mm. go away in their auto. It's like mm. a very silent middle finger to you, and it's just like okay, man. <laughs> I had a tough time in Bangalore with autos, so that's where it came from. Mm. I guess that was the first joke, and it did okay. So that. But was does like, that
1: joke work everywhere? Like in some cities, auto are nicer, right? Yeah, or so or in they, bo- uh, they operate by So the, eventually
2: the joke which is there in the video became that when I was in Bombay, I'm like, you guys have good autovala. Hmm. Right. Here's what we have in right. Delhi. So it became that. <laughs> Last week was heights. I'm like, South X Kare. Hanji. bilkul or gaya. I'm like, yeah, I also had to go actually. That's why I asked you. I'm not taking a survey of auto
1: volumes. <laughs> the material in the first video, right? how long were you working on that? The whole thing? Uh,
2: whole thing is different to say, but for example, the auto-joke is as old as I've been sort of, but it's old in the sense that it has gone through various transformations. Mm. I think those were the jokes that after a point I was like, okay, I don't want to do these jokes anymore. And I also, I was thinking about a video and I was uh freaking out about so I didn't want to release like a longer bit and mm. then later realize that oh I missed a few angles or I could have done more with that bit so I was comfortable releasing those short short jokes because there is not much then you can do with those so once I had a few of those I thought okay let me just club and release a video so that later on I don't feel like mein mein kar so you
1: don't do you don't do that material now right
2: yeah once you put it out on the video you, you don't do that
1: you don't do or you can't do it's,
2: I don't think it's can't, but it's just,
1: but like, uh, do, do, does the audience demand some of the bits like auto, wala, auto, wala. Do you I it? haven't,
2: I mean, I don't think it, so many people would have for a seen it for them to be like, we want to hear that joke. But usually the unsaid principle is that once you put it out on a video, that is the hook for the audience to come and watch your other material. Hmm. But with few com- so with Brian Regan, it happens like at the end of a show, people yeah. call out for his. Hmm famous bits and he does them
1: do you think uh some of the newer stand-ups are uh, just putting videos without polishing their bits
2: right i see it's a i mean at the end of it, it is a subjective thing some people find that funny some don't but on the people releasing that too early i believe that that is the case and i could be wrong but the accepted like if you've been following stand-up Hmm. and that doesn't necessarily have to be true for india but what happens yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. everybody says it takes 10 to 15 uh, years to get just is
1: is that not a, a negative aspect of uh, the celebrity worship thing that youtube has provided uh, people
2: yeah i mean, I mean they, everyone
1: it's... wants to be youtube wants to be a youtube star and uh, they upload their very first bit like very first open mic itself
2: right so i cannot speak about say the motivations of others but yes that kind of I mean, you see videos and you think that okay, you should this have could, worked this on this. This could have been a, polished, yeah. Right, because but at the same time, I also being a comic, you interact with comics. You see, there is a certain kind of pressure that they are feeling that in order to get shows, right, I now have, have to, to have, to have, have a video. X subscribers. Yeah, but the problem with that is, which you may not be able to think in the now, hmm. but once you have put something out on YouTube, right, that is out there forever. Or I mean, you can delete the video, whatever, but that's what you will be associated with. So if it's something resembling a quality that A, first of all, you are not happy with and B, objectively, you would have tried it at different mics and shows. If it's getting a reaction, people are laughing, then go for it. But you do, then you read the comments, you see the like to dislike ratio and you get a sense that, okay, not everybody is uh, liking this.
1: Tell the listener about the process of uh, reaching a point where you're confident enough to put a video out.
2: Honestly, I I would... I don't... That's a tricky one. I, it was more that I had reached a point where I was maybe... I would have been too... It would have been too idealistic to say I don't. I still don't want to put out a video because after a certain point, like I wanted to do shows in other cities, I wanted to do sports and shows in festivals, comedy festivals, but a lot of people did not know about me.
1: No, I mean, a lot of people don't even know that uh, when they're seeing a video, that bit has been done like 100 times, polished like every time. Right.
2: Which is, I mean, uh, that is, uh, but from a uh, sort of a layman's perspective, I can totally, I understand that. Like if they are seeing a video, a lot of people assume that oh, you would have tried it once, mm. it's funny, and then you have recorded it. Unless you start doing stand-up, you don't realize that it takes like a few times for it mm. to even get close to decent. So, that will come with time. The more people see stand-up, the more they get familiar with it.
1: So, what was... Uh, give me an example of a bit where you were like, uh, this is perfect, I'm going to do it and it bombed and then you modified it.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I It happens... Once in a while, it still happens like... Um, sometimes just the energy in the room is off uh so i so for example what do you what bit, do you mean by that something like they are either not i'm not like making excuses but like no i've of, heard
1: i've heard uh, my friends also talk about good rooms and
2: bedrooms i wouldn't say good rooms and bad rooms. at the end of the day your joke should work hmm. wherever that's i i still think that's the approach you should have but sometimes like you think okay this thought is funny maybe it's play like they are not getting the funny in it which is I see it as you are not doing a good job at explaining the funnyness hmm. of that thought.
1: Hmm. Or maybe they are not drunk enough.
2: Not even that. Like I think so I think then that you're making a lot of assumptions about the hmm. audience in that case. It's better to think that, you know, something is wrong with the joke, let me work on it, rather than saying, oh, something was off with the room. Because then you're denying yourself that opportunity for both. Right. Right. artistic growth basically you could have just been like okay something's wrong with the joke you hear the audio figure out what went wrong but sometimes it's just puzzling like you are genuinely confused Okay, why did this not work maybe they did not get the, so for example there is this joke I do it still I think I would have done it 7-8 times and maybe once it worked but I really like that thought it's like um, that why, you know that thing of growing up you play air cricket you are just playing air cricket so I say I used to do that, I was a single child and main, I was so dedicated to air cricket that I would be batting bowling and batting I would leave in air cricket. Mein. Now in my head when that thought came, I was like okay this is funny, like I like that thought but I've done it 7-8 times and out of that except once every other time the audience has been just like blank faces staring at me. So then I don't know, maybe then I'm like, maybe this is not as for, fu- sometimes things are not objectively or whatever funny, but you think they are. So yeah, this was one example, but I still, I won't, I have not discarded this joke completely. I'll see if anything can be done with it. But so, yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, with me, it happens that. What was the worst
1: you ever bombed? Um,
2: worst was, I don't know if it was the worst. There have been many a times like that, but there was one gig, it it was a paid gig, Uh, I don't want to take names and all, but we reached there, wasn't very well organized, there were no chairs, so everybody was sitting on like the ground, which is A first, that's weird. Hmm. Uh, And then there was no, people were kind of forced forced into- yeah, they were just sitting. It was like a festival kind of a vibe. Huh. Maybe a little bohemian or yeah, jovi. Huh. Artsy, artsy types. And some people wandered in uh, because they were kind of forced. Some people just generally wandered in. Nobody knew who we were, obviously. Then there mm. were four of us on the lineup. And then we were doing our jokes. They are not working. And then suddenly the light lights went off. Uh. So it's complete darkness. They don't have power backup. Mm. Then one guy comes with to a torch and shines it on my face so that the audience can see it's me portable spotlight <laughs> right like those old school <laughs> torches mm. and while this guy is doing that i am doing my jokes which are not working and i cannot see so the mic was the not audience. working at this point no no now the mic is so you are you're not shouting now i'm like you're talking to a, a room and i cannot see people i'm not hearing laughter but i have and to you do you are blinded 15 by minutes. the dots yeah i have to do 15 minutes so i did that
1: <laughs> what was that like what, what what was going on in your head like, was that a uh, surreal feeling?
2: It, in the moment, it is definitely surreal, but you kind of have to zap out of it and be like, okay, I have to do my 15. Hmm. So, in the moment, you somehow, along with like, what the F, what the f- whatever, what the fuck you're having this. Can we use these words on your... I guess, I maybe, if I you
1: guess. if you don't want, I'll bleep them
2: out. No, no, I don't. I, I'm fine with using them. I don't know yeah. if you are fine with me saying
1: that. Yeah, I'll mark this episode explicit for <laughs> Apple.
2: <laughs> no, no, I won't. Anyways, I won't use that hmm. too many times. But then along with that, it was also also like, oh, shit, I have to do 15 minutes. So you kind of figure things out. But later on, when you're thinking about the gig, as soon as you leave the stage, you're like, what the hell just happened? Mm. That was not a good show at all. Mm. But then it is what it is. Like, what can you do? Mm.
1: So let's talk about swearing. Yeah. Uh, A lot of uh, up and comers are, uh, you know, they walk up to the stage and start swearing. Right. Like, do you think it's a cheat? Like a lot of comedians say that mm. swearing is a the is cheating
2: I don't think I'll use that strong a word. swearing
1: swearing is inherently funny itself so it
2: is and I think used judiciously mm. does it does can add value yeah. because people relate to that anger or frustration mm. when you are swearing but if you're, if
1: you're doing it non-stop then it's
2: yeah and those so the thing is that I have so I think you would real you would realize that once people put out a video, the room could be laughing when you are swearing. Like, say you're performing stand-up say at Cannabis Laugh Club, it's 18 plus audience, people are drinking, having a good time. You, you, you're you swearing, they're all laughing. But on the video, when it gets out to this world, which is sort of age groups of all kinds and people of all kinds, then you start seeing those comments, boss, it was a little unnecessary hmm. that you were swearing.
1: But it's, it's a different energy. It's, it also happens when you're watching a sitcom with a laugh track. Right. Uh, with i mean with a live audience laugh, laughter right right so you're like why are they laughing at this exactly because but at the time of the of the taping of the episode the energy in the room was such that everyone was laughing so it was a yeah, yeah. high energy atmosphere
2: yeah and you I were at home know.
1: like well, that was not funny exactly, at all exactly exactly no that's mm. very true mm.
2: and they say stand up is primarily uh, live it's yeah. supposed to be consumed live right uh, ideally of course because there is that certain energy that there is laughter in the air, Jo are you And when some people do that, they break that warrior. Right. Uh, break that barrier. barrier. Warrior, mm. The fourth wall, so to speak. Mm. So that happens sometimes and you are a part of that. You can see it and sense it. And then that's a very special thing to sort of witness and experience.
1: So did how did things change after the first video?
2: First video, things change in the sense... Uh, so I got a, the people who were organizing Bangalore Comedy Festival, they reached out. They offered me a small spot. I went and did that. How small? Seven minutes uh, on a 20 comic lineup. But it was like, it was good uh, and kind of scary in the way that that was the first time I was doing a festival and you're part of a lineup with other comics. So that spot thankfully went fine. So then they noticed that and then they, I started getting gigs in Bangalore.
1: So you, you already had your uh, new material developed at that time? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it would have been very uh, risky if you if you had uh, expired all your material on that of video. Of course,
2: of course, that's a big, big risk. And I really, I mean, if I, I don't know, I, if somebody asked me for advice, that's the first thing I would say, okay, if you're putting out a video, have some sure. material in the bank. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Because you don't want to say if your video is very good, and then people come to watch your shows, and then hmm. you have substantial. You're just material. trying that out, something right. new. Hmm. So then that won't be good. <laughs> mm. so i because i was doing 30 minutes uh, at canvas and say other clubs mm. so i had 30 minutes right and video was like seven minutes so then i had other material
1: so were you getting paid for comedy before that before or? the video
2: yeah yeah once you start doing gigs and shows that's when the money starts coming in yeah mm. but uh, it it grew after the video Not necessarily, some gigs are a fixed price Uh, because I was associated with say canvas for a while. I was performing there quite a lot. So I would get canvas shows regularly, but after a point you are not pulling in the audience because limited number of people know about you. So because at the end of the day, it's a business also canvas also has to make money. People who they also sometimes prefer lineups where people who have put out videos, they bunch those up. Right. So that more people come and watch those shows. Hmm. And for an artist, you want to be performing on that lineup because it is challenging in a way because you're with, say, two other comics who are who are pretty good at it. Hmm. So you're kind of pushing yourself and you have a big audience. Hmm. So if somebody has killed just before you, hmm. killed as in they've done on the yeah, yeah. stage, and hmm. you're following them, so hmm. you have that pressure. Right. And Obviously. you have to meet the expectations of 150 people. Hmm. But that's when you will also sort of either rise to the challenge or realize that okay i have weak spots like mm. i wasn't as good as that guy uh, so maybe i need to work on stuff so
1: what is the what is the trajectory for a for a stand up in india right now for like a, for a successful career like uh, in the 90s in the us it was very clear right you do some stuff and you get scouted by uh, tonight show with Johnny Carson right. and you appear on late night TV and then you get more gigs and then you do a HBO special right. and then you get a sitcom. Right. So it's, what is what is the trajectory for an Indian comic right now?
2: I think it's still being shaped I guess. But mm. different people are doing different things. So for example Sakir has, he's done a show now yeah he's, he's done a sitcom. He's done, yeah, he's done a sitcom. He's done so he's done multiple sitcoms so he's kind of doing his own thing uh some people do the they release specials uh some people then start getting into sketches uh and there seems to be a market for a lot of consumption of that kind of comedy also with amazon netflix all these people coming to india so who knows where this will go uh but there seem to be enough options as of now
1: so do you have a path charted out like i want to do this i want to do that
2: so, although the paths, I do keep room for fluidity. I don't want to be too rigid in my thing that I will mm. only do this. But mm. as of now, I'm not looking at, I'm just looking at uh, getting better on, on my stand-up. Mm. And wherever that goes, uh, we'll see. I'm not looking at sketches or shows or anything like that as of now. Yeah.
1: So, you have, uh, you work from Monday to Friday, right? Right. And on the weekends, you do the, the stand-up.
2: No, so, it's so there are these things called open mics where you hmm. try new material. They happen hmm. during the week. Right. So, in the evening and night, sometimes I'll be doing open mics, hmm. uh, sometimes shows. Hmm. So, it's like half days, literally some other job and the rest. The second half is like… Isn't that setting year. you
1: back compared to other comedians who are doing it full-time?
2: Yeah, that is a fate. So, I have thought about that. I think right now, I'm comfortable with the 2 job wala scenario. Huh because stand-up
1: is not paying as much
2: a is that and i don't want to put that pressure also on stand-up where Hmm. it becomes the sole uh, breadwinner right Hmm. Uh, because then i know it will then you'll start thinking like oh i need to do this i need to do that so i kind of want to stay on this path of just wanting to do stand-up and organically once i reach a point where you know i will that, okay, so, now I need there's a more. theory
1: about you know about creative people that right. if you're not going all in if you have something to fall back on mm. you will not be you know you don't you won't have that killer instinct so do you agree with that
2: could be true man i mean i'm not denying that possibility because i have not done that yet mm. so i'm not feeling like so, once i do, do you that think, do you
1: think that you know, uh if you uh if stand-up starts paying more than your day job that will tip the scale
2: not necessarily pay more because that could be a very short term thing like for me i would be when i'm comfortable that okay i have the chops hmm. i have the skills now and i need to dedicate more time hmm. to this right now honestly i feel that given my current uh, say day-to-day life i still have Room for improvement in how efficient I can be with my time during my job and then with stand up. Hmm. So, once I think I've maxed out that optimization, hmm. then I think I'll feel that k- need for okay, I need to be more in on my stand up. So, eventually, I do see that happening, but maybe not right now.
1: So, does your job involve field work also, the day job?
2: A uh, little bit of that, yes. There is some traveling.
1: So, are you able to hit the local clubs if you are like... S- yeah.
2: So, hmm. sometimes it's Bombay. Yeah. Um, I used to go to Bombay a lot on work. So, I would just do that. Then, hmm. uh, sometimes, like I've gone abroad and I've tried to find out what the circuit is locally and then hmm. maybe do some spots there. Right. So, I try, I I am conscious of that. I do try and club it as much as I can.
1: So what is the difference between, let's say, a Bombay audience or a Delhi audience or a Bangalore audience? Like, uh, Are they homogenous in a way or like, uh, are there nuances that you have to?
2: I think it's weird to then homogenize er audiences of cities like that, right? Mm. Uh, But I mean, stereotypes do exist for a reason. They are helpful in in some way for sure. So Mm. my experience has been that Bombay and Bangalore... um, you get similar, not the same audience, but similar in the sense that they are more, how it is, it's, they are more polite. They are okay. just sitting quietly and waiting mm. for a joke. If it it's funny, they laugh at it. If so it's not, you, they're you get more
1: hecklers people. in Delhi. Uh,
2: also, because I, I do more, a lot of open mics here. Mm. That environment, maybe in Bombay is also similar. I have not tried that. Right, But open mics is generally the variable, more. there are more unknown variables. Somebody has just walked in, he's just there at the bar, he's not right. there to watch comedy. Right. And he's drinking or she's drinking and, and they want to something. say something. But I think um, even sometimes in paid shows, like yesterday we did a show and there was this guy who just not stopped talking. Like he was one of those uncles who's like, I'm also funny.
1: So he was talking back to the comic, or talking yeah, but in the
2: end he was not. He didn't end up destroying the show. Like it mm. became a part of the show. Other people were laughing. Like we would take his case. He would say something back. He was being a sport about it also. But also he was not getting it that it's, it's an after a right? point yeah. you should
1: stop. It's not. It's not a conversation.
2: Right. Mm. But it was a fun show. Like I wouldn't say I didn't like it. Mm. Other comics also had fun. Mm. Uh, so I think maybe that is a Delhi thing. Like in other cities, I have not experienced it yet. But these kind of characters, with that confidence that I will say That's a, That's a uniquely Delhi thing. Maybe. I'm not mm. sure. I have not seen it in other cities yet.
1: Alright. So, you, you talked about international. A lot of comics are doing international uh, tours now. Yeah. So, is something like that on the cards?
2: No, no, man. Like, uh, not anytime soon, I think. Uh, so, you, you've
1: been doing national tours, right?
2: I wouldn't say tours. with just like going to different cities and performing. Okay. A tour would be like a series of cities. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'll th- I think I want to first incrementally build that up, try hmm. and say new cities in India, hmm. see how that goes. Then next step would be like, let's go outside and see if my material is still holding up there. So, right. that was a good experience when I went abroad and tried my English material. Where did you go? That was Singapore. Okay. And uh, it's a completely different audience. So, But then you a lot of a Indians point. there, right? There are, but it's very cosmopolitan. The comedy club, there were a lot of nationalities. Right. So, now, like we would have assumed that, I don't know, I had certain assumptions that maybe the comedy there is like this or that. Hmm. But, that material was killing that, you know, Indians in Singapore like this, Chinese are like that, British are, So, they were doing what we do, like Punjabi, and all that. So... Hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess it's a universal Hmm. thing, you know, Hmm. as long as people are laughing.
1: So Russell Peters has carved a niche (laughs) out of that. If you, Amazon or Netflix approaches you in like tomorrow, Hmm. you don't have a one hour special, right? No, I don't. So what would you tell them? Like how much?
2: Oh, not in the, I am not ready for it at least for another two years. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool, man. I think that's good enough.
2: Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for, uh, for your time No problem